Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, June 20th, 2013. Today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, chapter 3, more about alcoholism on page 30. And we're going to begin today at the bottom of that page with a paragraph that begins, we are like men who have lost their legs. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, June 19th, is 4656. That's 4656. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. Always, if tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Edini to please read the 12 steps. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Edini, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Rudini. And now I'd like to ask Margaret H. to please read the 12 Traditions. 
Thank you, Janice. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Margaret H. in Illinois. The 12 traditions. One, welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Mm, Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the big directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are in chapter 3, the chapter more about alcoholism, and we are on page 30 at the bottom of that page, beginning with the paragraph, We Are Like Men Who Have Lost Their Legs. And this morning I'd like to ask Kathy Kay to please get us started. Good morning, Janice. This is Kathy Kay. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We are like men who have lost their legs. They never grow new ones. Neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other men. We have tried every imaginable remedy. In some instances, there have been brief recovery, followed always by still a worse relapse. Physicians who are familiar with alcoholism agree there is no such 
thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. Science may one day accomplish this, but it hasn't been done uh, done so yet. Um, Good morning, everyone. I'm grateful to have read this paragraph today. Um, I I spent uh, a good 10 years in these rooms um, hoping and thinking that I was different than everyone else around me in these rooms. Um, It's really amazing that I was able to persist with um, such denial, uh, even though I experienced over and over again um, periods of abstinence followed by very brief relapses, actually. And because the brief relapses were brief, and because I never carried a lot of extra weight, I held on to the small notion inside that somehow I was different. And if I just did it right, if I just had the right food plan, um, I, could, I could solve this problem on my own, or at least with the food plan. I, I needed the support of the meetings but I didn't necessarily need a higher power in my life, and I didn't necessarily need to surrender my whole life uh, to a higher power. Um, It has really, uh, this paragraph describes me perfectly, um, that I had tried every imaginable food plan, um, and I had experienced periods of absence but that's something different than recovery, um, which I have discovered only through reading this book over and over again and working with a recovered sponsor and coming to these meetings that, in fact, um, I'm just like everyone else, and I do have a twofold disease, um, not just the physical allergy, but also the mental obsession. So I'm very grateful that today um, I am, I know that I am like um, those who have lost their legs and will never grow new ones. I do have a disease, and I will never be free of it. I can only uh, live uh, one day at a time in remission by doing what we're told to do here. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Judith. Katie. Diane. Judith, and then Katie, and then Diane. Judith, thank you, thank you, Janice. This is Judith in Vermont, um, recovering compulsive overeater. Many years ago, a sponsor had me write on this sentence, we are like men who have lost their legs, they never grow new ones. And in the writing process, I realized that if I lost a leg, I would probably go into angry denial for a while, and I would not go get a prosthesis. I would not go get a new leg that science could provide. I would be so angry and so upset that I would 
refused to do that, and I would walk around on crutches. Therefore, I wouldn't go very many places. I wouldn't do very many things um, out of anger and disappointment that I'd lost my leg. Um, as a dancer, I was I was just horrified by the by the idea that that could happen. And I realized in writing that if I went out and got the prosthesis, went to the the office where you had to go to get it, and went through all the agony that that would entail then I would be able to dance again because I would have a new leg. And OA is my new leg. I do have the ability now to live my life fully, fully, fully because of this book and because of the recovery that that has been shown me in this book. And so I'm so grateful that I didn't get stuck in that place of um, being angry that I had this disease and and not doing anything about it. With that, I pass. Thanks. This is Katie. Hello. Go ahead, Katie. Okay, you can. Okay, I'm sorry. I I was unmuting and didn't. Anyway, here I am. Good morning. I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia, and I just you know have to um, say that. What a perfect analogy this is because, um, you know, of course you can't grow a new leg. I mean, I can't grow a new leg. And I can't, um, the same way, I, once I start compulsively overeating, I can't stop. Once I stop, I can't stay stopped. And the, the truth is I never could. Even when I thought that I was a successful dieter, I never followed the rules completely, even, you know, on Scarsdale and Cambridge and Weight Watchers and, you know, Diet Center and every, you know, everything I ever did, I did not follow the rules. That is a mental problem. That is a problem in my head of me lacking the uh, fortitude to be honest about who and what I am. And, you know, I could not um, get this program when I identified out. And, you know, just like um, I think Kathy shared that, you know, she, she wasn't, because she wasn't as overweight as other people, she wasn't as bad as other people. Well, I was the same way. I was only 21 when I came in. And I only had, you know, at the time, 40 pounds to lose. I was 40 pounds heavier than I am now. And so, you know, of course there were people who were much worse than I was. And, you know, the problem is, as it says in the previous paragraph, over a considerable period we get worse, never better. So, you know, that's the reality for me is, you know, if you're wondering if you um, belong in this program, you know, we gladly offer for you to step, you know, into the nearest kitchen and try some controlled eating. Try to binge and then stop abruptly, you know, as it says um, later on in the book. It, uh, if you can do that, then maybe you aren't a compulsive overeater. You know, maybe you just need, you know, the right diet. But that was not an option for me. Finding the right food plan did not make me abstinent. What made me abstinent was when I stopped caring about losing the 70 pounds that I then needed to lose 
and just wanted to stop the insanity. I was not thinking about whether it was going to work, whether it wasn't going to work, whether I was going to be abstinent for one year or one month or one week. I just wanted that day to stop. And it wasn't until I had gotten worse, way worse than I was when I was 21, that I realized that I, it was not getting any better. It was getting worse. And, you know, I just think they were uh, very inspired who wrote these, these words because you can't dispute that concept. I cannot grow a new leg anymore that I can start eating chocolate chip cookie dough and stop. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Go ahead, this Diane. Katie from Boston. Hi, this is Sorry. Diane. Go ahead, Diane. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear okay. you. Thank you. I'm sorry, I have a problem with my mute sometimes. Um, this is Diane, a recovered compulsive reader from New Hampshire. And, um, you know, like everyone has been saying, we are like men who have lost their legs. They never grow new ones. And um, I'm a compulsive overeater. I will never, ever be a normal eater. And when I came in the 80s, I, I thought, you know, when I came into the rooms and I remember my first meeting like it was yesterday, and I looked around the rooms judging people, thinking, what, what is she here for? She's thin. What does she have to have this program for? Why is she on a diet? Um and you know, then finding out later, you know, she had lost like 100 pounds. And, um, you know, just being um, involved in the program back then, I used it as a diet. And, you know, I knew that, um, you know, give me the diet, teach me how to eat good, and I'm out of here. And, you know, I, I basically did that. I lost 80 pounds, and I knew that by Thanksgiving I was going to eat, you know. Um, and that... Um, the rooms were for everybody else, not for me, that, uh, you know, I'm coming, get what I want, leave the rest. I did that, and I did that again and again and again. And then in 1998, I moved to New Hampshire from Massachusetts, and um, no meetings around here, and and I just said, I can do this myself. I, 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 I know what to eat, you know. So for all those years, I had a head full of program and a belly full of food, and I gained 90 pounds. I am a compulsive overeater. I will never be normal with food. And I came back into the room, these rooms last year, and oh my God, what a! I came crawling because I needed this. I knew what I needed. I knew what I needed. And, and once, for me, once I was in these rooms, when all those slogans and everything I heard at meetings would come into my head, time and time and time again, as I'm eating. Mm-hmm as I had that, you know, allergy of the body and the um, um, of the mind, I never, ever knew about the mind. That obsession I knew was there. I heard it every day. I heard it talking to me. But when I came into the rooms last year and I heard, heard that obsession of the mind, it made so much sense to me. And in, in this, this past year, it's changed my life, being in these rooms, having a God in my life, and doing the program the way I wanted that it should be today. And I am so grateful. Thank you for allowing me to share. I pass. Thank you. This is, this is Katie from Hi, Boston. Thank you, Katie. And then Woody. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G. from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. 
And I guess I just want to expand the definition that I've been hearing. Just I mean, of compulsive overeating. Like the pro my problem is not just the eating; it's that I tell myself lies that food and body weight are the problem, right? And so if I get to a certain, if I do a certain food plan and I get to a certain body weight, then I'll be okay. In my adult life, I've been 110 pounds and 228 pounds. And I say that not because I'm here to impress anybody or anything else like that, but I have had, there have been times in my life and my recovery that I've been too thin. And I've been just as sick as, as a too thin person thinking, okay, I've got to be thinner, I've got to be thinner, I've got to be thinner. We've talked about control, this lie of control this week. Um, that if I can just get everything in my orbit controlled and hammered and nailed down, then I'm going to be okay. And those, that's me thinking wrongly. That is me as a, as a compulsive overeater who has lost my legs. And Frankly, I didn't like that image when I first came in. I didn't relate to it. Like, I was like, what do you mean you lost your legs? What it, like, what does that even mean? And I love what my fellows have been talking about this morning. Like, yeah, I'm never going to grow new legs. So, so what am I going to do about that? And it's not just, okay, I'm going to get on a food plan and, and solve this, take this for a certain food plan, because I spent way too many years in this room saying, okay, I'm thin, now where's my stuff? That is the crux of the problem, is that I think that because I'm thin, I'm going to get stuff. The world owes me. You all owe me now. Where's my husband? Where's my car? Where's my kids? Where's my job? You owe me. And then, surprise, surprise, the world's not giving me what I want. And so food and eating and dieting and laxatives and exercising three hours a day sounds like a step up from how I feel about myself. So like it says, in some instances, there's been re-recovery followed always by still worse relapse. Yeah, I thought I was doing well when I was going to the gym seven days a week, three hours a day, you know, and not and like chewing gum to the tune of $400 a gum a month because I, cause I wasn't engaging in what I thought were crazy behaviors. But it's kind of crazy behavior to chew gum $400 a month. Like that's a lot of gum. You know, and inevitably, when, even if I was doing, quote, unquote, good, again, I, I still thought that the stuff was going to fix me because I heard if I, you know, here I am at the front of the room, I'm, got, I'm married now, I'm thin, I'm not fat, da, 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 and here I am, like little Katie Anorex, like, oh, well, okay, well, I'm just going to get thinner now and not eat no matter what, no matter what, I'm going to not eat, and then some guy is going to come in and fix me. No, like no human power, right? That is the crux of my disease. So if I think that that stuff's going to fix me and none of it's working out, then eating behaviors and crazy behaviors around food are a step up for me. And that's what I have to have hammered home that, again, like all my fellows have been sharing, I tell myself lies, I believe the lies, and then I'm back worse than ever. So I have to have a solution of depth and weight that's going to change my thinking, that's going to revolutionize the entire way I live my whole life. So it's not about Katie getting her stuff. It's about Katie helping others today. God willing, I can get out of myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Go ahead, Hoodie. Hi, good morning, Dennis. This is Hoodie, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Israel. And um, I like um, those before me, I also like this paragraph. Um, we are like men who have lost their legs. They never grow new ones. Neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other men. And I I had to accept 
my disability. As we, as we read earlier, I had to fully concede to my innermost self that I am a compulsive overeater. I'm never gonna not ha- I'm, I'm, this, I'm never gonna be cured from this disease. They um, I, um, and they never go new ones. This is my reality, and I have to accept the pl- the plan outlined in this book. I'm never gonna be different. And just like someone who lost their legs, they um, you know they need outside help outside support like a wheelchair or a crutch or a cane to continue to to walk and to move forward in life me too i i have today um i have to i have to learn that i have this disease i have a disability and um and i have to use those outside support daily um and take action and accept the fact that i'm i'm different and i you know i need the use of these tools in my life every day to enable me to live um able to i offer yes i am a compulsive program i'm willing to accept the support we have each day the 12 steps and these tools um the the oe tools help me by supporting me in dealing with all life's ups and downs and um and when 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 someone when you lose someone for example, you're never the same, and things, but you do learn to move forward, and so too today. That's what I could do. I am, you know, I have this disease. I accept that I'm not normal, and I, I never will be. I never, I, I'll never, I never won't be a compulsive reader. And I could ask my higher power, God, for the ability to just move forward, work the steps, work the steps um, as it's laid out, clear cut in this big book so I could continue working the process and living a life. And I just wanted to um, remind me um, to bring you to page 85 in the big book where it says um, we are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Each day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of my activities. So I will never be cured, but as long as I, I... stay in fifth spiritual condition and leave my my life and I am powerless over my food I am powerless over um people's places and things I um will have a daily reprieve contingent on this on the maintenance um on the maintenance and with that I pass thank you for letting me share thank you hoodie well this is Janice and I am a recovered compulsive overeater thank you God thank you God you know, here we are in Chapter 3, more about alcoholism. You know, and I say to myself today, good information to have. Good information to have. Information that I did not have previously about myself. Because they are very, very strong in the language in this chapter. I was operating under a delusion that had to be smashed. That had to be smashed. Because that delusion was so powerful in my mind that it convinced me despite all evidence to the contrary. You know, I'm a smart person, I would say to myself. I'm a smart person. And all evidence staring, glaringly staring me in the face, I could not believe that I was who I was. You know, I operated under this delusion And the delusion was so powerful that I chased that idea that I could have one and be satisfied. 
just one, I would say to myself, just one, and I'll be satisfied. And I would try it over and over and over again. And even when I began to believe that I'd lost my legs, even when I began to believe that I was different from other people, I still chased that delusion. And it says we have tried every imaginable remedy. And I could list them for you. I did list them for myself. I wrote them all down because it was astounding to me all the imaginable remedies I had tried to no avail, to no avail. Because there was brief recovery sometimes followed by a still worse relapse and that brief recovery, those little periods where inevitably I would pick up again the cunning and baffling and powerful nature of that delusion that I was operating under. And any time I would have those little brief periods, those little brief respites from the disease, then it would fuel that delusion in me that maybe I wasn't a real compulsive overeater. And maybe I was different from these other people, and maybe there was some way that I could control and enjoy my eating. And I wanted that so desperately, and I believed it so utterly. And it made me realize, finally, that the compulsion that I was operating under, that that irrational compulsion, you know, those actions I was taking that were unnecessary and repetitive, and I couldn't stop I could not stop. I could not stop. And I kept trying to convince myself that this time it would be different. This time I'll regain some control. This time those intervals, however brief, will be the right way to behave. They'll be the right way to conquer this. And I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. So today I'm able to say, thank you, God, This is good information to have. That the big book is so strong in its language. You know, Bill W. fought in the war. We read that in his story. And I bet he saw men who had lost their legs. And it was a pretty powerful image to him. And so he gave us that image right here. That we are like those men who have lost their legs and they'll never grow new ones again. But it doesn't mean that there isn't a way out for us. And so the big book is powerfully showing us paragraph by paragraph, step by step. And I have a choice. Am I like these people? Well, today I am. Today I know I am. Thank you, God. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Rochelle. Can I talk about this? Rochelle? This is Amy. Monica? Michelle, Amy, and Monica. Good morning. This is Rochelle, recovering compulsive eater. I am so delighted to be on this meeting. I, I really, I have not been listening that long. Maybe it's been a week or so or two weeks, but it has made a difference in my program, and I, and I wanted you all to hear that. I, I just, it's been wonderful. So this morning it struck me about hearing about the person who had lost their legs. It reminds me of how I was, and um and the day that I lost, that I finally had to admit to admit myself, to my, admit myself that I had no control left. You know, this was like 
almost everybody else's story with, you know, compulsive exercising, compulsive eating, bouts of this and that. But the day that I lost control was the day of my freedom because at the point where I, I recognized I couldn't do it anymore, I couldn't recover on my own, I couldn't use my self-will, was the day that my higher power opened my eyes and let me have the freedom of the spirit. And for that, I am so, so grateful. And it just kind of reminded me of the story that we all probably knew when we were growing up of the of the ugly duckling, you know, the kind of duckling that didn't, didn't fit in with all those other pretty little, you know, ducks. Because actually the duckling wasn't a duckling, it was a swan. And when it met its other group of swans and it realized it's really quite a beautiful animal and fit in just quite well. And, and, and that's sort of like how I feel being in this group of ladies that have the same kind of disease that I've had. I didn't know that there were other people out there who, who like me, couldn't control their food, like me, couldn't wait until their friends had left their room so they could finish the leftovers. And, uh, and that was their point of view. And today, I am a free person. Today, I can step out of that cage and I can go to a party where there's all different kinds of foods, and that's not of interest to me. It's it's the, what can I do here to help somebody else? What can I do to make someone else feel good about themselves? And it's such a freeing situation. So that's what I wanted to share. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Michelle. Go ahead, Amy. Hi, this is Amy. Go ahead, Amy. Thank you. My name is Amy. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered from Maryland. Physicians who are familiar with alcoholism agree there is no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. So again, the chapter more about alcoholism, piggybacking on the doctor's opinion chapter. You know, physicians now, even at this point in the 1930s, were agreeing and saying, you know, once you've crossed that line, you're a goner, you know. Because of this mental obsession, I cannot fight my mind with my mind. As, as others have said, you know, with compulsive overeating, trying another diet is like trying to put a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. This is not going to fit, be fixed by willpower alone. And I understand what it was to try. My family's motto was all it takes is a little willpower. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, you can do this. But it was only by surrendering that I gained freedom. And I understood that I would never be the same. I would never be the same. I had to finally surrender that I was a compulsive overeater and that the solution was a spiritual one, that I had a spiritual malady. I had a hole in my soul that I was trying to fill with a knife and a fork. And I needed to understand that because of my mind, I needed something outside of myself, greater than myself, to show me how to do this because every idea out of my head was going to be wrong, as my sponsor loved to say, that every idea, everything that I had been doing over the years and decades of compulsive overeating was going to bring me back to that compulsive overeating, that I needed new ideas, that I had to let go of my old ideas, that whenever I balked, I was going to have to say, no, that's my mind and my mental obsession. I'm going to have to surrender and be accountable to those that have recovered and gone before and understand what they're trying to teach me through this book about the 12 steps. And I'm going to work these 12 steps like my life depends upon it. It became the mantra in my mind to say, I am wrong, I am working the steps. I am wrong, I'm working the steps. I surrender, I surrender. Because I knew in my heart of hearts who I was. I may not have understood all the steps. I may not have had a great concept of a higher power at that point, you know, but I was willing because I was, had surrendered to the fact that if I continued on my own, I was going to die of this disease. 
So I became willing. I became willing. I understood that I no longer had legs. I no longer had legs. And so I became willing to follow those who had gone before and learn about the steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Go ahead, Monica. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And yes, here we are in Chapter 3, more about alcoholism. And this whole chapter is giving us examples of the experimentation we do, the obsession of the mind that we do with this disease. It's all about the mental obsession. You know, a sick mind cannot heal a sick mind. And here we are like men who have lost their legs. They never grow new ones. Okay. I have lost my legs. What does this mean? I am a compulsive overeater, and I will always be a compulsive overeater. And then they go on to say, neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other men. You know, that was true in the 1930s when this book was written. And it's still true today, 70-something years later, in 2013, There is no kind of medical treatment out there for us, psychological treatment. We have tried them all, and they don't work. But our mind keeps telling us, well, maybe I'll try this and maybe I'll try that. And, um, you know, we've done it for years and years and years. If we stop and think about our histories, it's like, whoa, how can I deny this? And if you are a compulsive overeater, like I'm a compulsive overeater, we will always be compulsive overeaters till the day we die. And we will always have the physical allergy until the day we die. And that means, Monica, do not pick up any binge foods because it will set off the craving and you're going to eat. But the greater aspect of this disease is my mental obsession. But, you know, there is a solution. It's called the 12 steps. It says, in some instances, there has been brief recovery followed always by still worse relapse. Again, you know, if we're honest with our histories, how many times did I go on, on diets and do different things? And yeah, I reached goal a few times, but I never, I mean, I was crazy in a loom. Start graving crazy. Because it was just a form of abstinence that I was doing. It didn't fix anything in my head between my ears. I still had those crazy thoughts that maybe someday down the road, you know, what is a diet for? There's a diet to go off from. And the minute I would get close to goal, it's like, yeah, whoo, now I can eat like a normal person. Well, with this process, with this book, with this learning, I am a man without legs. And I will never grow new ones. It's just a fact. And Monica, it's a fact. You don't have to like it, but there are things you can do about it. Um, and there's no such thing as making a normal drinker out of us. You know, we have crossed a line. We are different. We don't have to understand why, but we are. And it's like, but you know, it's not hopeless, people. We have a solution. And oh man, it's so great to be, uh, uh, you know, to have gone through that door. And these we, these 100 recovered people, and those of us who have, uh, who are saying we are recovered, we have gone through that door. We know what's on the other side. And we are saying to y'all, come on, come on, we'll help you through. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? All right. Oh, can I share? Um, can I share? Are you from New York? 
Um, I heard Bella, and then who else? Sharon. Sharon. Okay, go ahead, Bella. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a compulsive overreader. Yes, I wanted to say that it's a program that there is no graduation in it. All the programs, we we come to the to the goal, we achieve the goal, and yay, we graduate, and yay, we are free from the program. This is not the same program. There is no graduation, and there is, there was my mistake. All my life that I tried to do any diet program, I was looking for the graduation. I knew, oh, I will reach my potential weight, and then, yes, I can eat the pizza, I can eat the cake, I can eat everything anytime, all the time, because I graduated. I proved already that I can do it. And there, when I went wrong, then when I just double and triple my way, and I double and triple my emotional problem. And now it's a program that I know there is no graduation. You know, you finish 12 steps, you are going again to step number one. And there is always, always things to learn. It's not that, oh, I finished already. You know, I don't have work to learn. I did already step one. No, there is all the time the steps to do. And this is the beauty of the program. Yes, I lost my legs, and I will never have new legs. I can have something else that, that will help me how to deal, uh, how to work with new legs. And these are the tools of the program. These are the tools of the program that will teach me how to work with new legs, but they are new legs. They are not my original. And yes, I am a compulsive overeater, and I will always be a compulsive overeater. And it's a present from God. And thank you, God, that you gave me this present, because by being a compulsive overeater, I know how how I need help. And this was my problem till now that, you know, I am perfect and I don't need help from nobody. And now the program teach me, yes, you need help. And there are so many people here to help you because when you get help, you can give help. And it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling to know that I can use help and I can give it back. So, and by this I will pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bella. Go ahead, Sharon. Are you there, Sharon? Can you hear me? Okay. Um, okay, this is such an amazing uh, paragraph, like every paragraph in this book is. Uh, but really, what really hit me uh, this morning was, again, that um, there have been brief recovery. There has been brief recovery, but always followed by a still worse relapse. And that was my experience when it came to my compulsive overeating. And then going down to where it says, um, there is no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. Science may one day accomplish this, but it hasn't done so yet. And like someone else shared, 70 years later, science has not come up with anything. Uh, We've learned through these pages that uh, self-knowledge doesn't amount to anything. Uh, Willpower is just completely useless when it comes to this. 
And so where do we go? What, what, what is the solution which we will, we will find? But on page 52, um, on the second, oh, page 53, I'm sorry, it's on the second paragraph. It says, when we become alcoholics crushed by a self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade we had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? And that's, that's kind of the bottom line, uh, that, that God, higher power, is the only thing that will relieve us of this obsession of the mind. Uh, and that has always been the factor with me from as far back as I can remember, and um, I didn't know how to live. Uh, I tried to live with a sick mind and trying to do the best I could with my own self-imposed willpower, and it it did not work. So I'm just so grateful to be here this morning and be a part of this group, and thank you for all of you who do your service, and uh, thank you for um, this book coming alive to me. I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. Good morning. Thank you for letting me share. Um, I've been listening to all the shares here and I've been thinking about what's been said and about the fact that um, we're like a person without who's lost their legs. Um, it took me 53, 50, almost 54 years to come to the point where I could admit that I was an addict and the food is my drug of choice. Um, and I've learned since then that a diet means that you're dying to eat and you're depriving yourself and at the end of it, all I'm going to do is reward myself for what I had done and then go right back to where I had come from before. When I first um, came into these rooms, I listened for quite some for about a year before I came to the point where I was able to admit that this is who I was and that this is what I needed to do and I needed to do things differently. Thank God once I have done that, I haven't had the desire to pick up again because I don't want to go back to that person that I was before. But I, have, but I know that the only way that I can stay this way is by working on the weight that's between my two ears because that is by far the greater part of my disease then the physical allergy of the body, um, especially once I broke a 29-year barrier of um, going below 200 pounds. Um, when, and, 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 it, and it was only after the scale went to 198 that I realized that for 29 years, I kept myself over 200 pounds for fear of losing the weight, what would happen when I would be thin. And today, with God's help, I feel like a free person. I'm no longer enslaved by the food. I, so long as I keep my spiritual condition and I work my steps, so long as I stay focused on God, my higher power, and talk to him and ask him what the next right thing is, with his help, I will stay in recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Leah.
Well, we'll move on to the next paragraph. And Esther, could you read that for us? Good morning. My name is Esther. I'm a compulsive overeater in Canada. Despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe they are in that class. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule, therefore non-alcoholic. If anyone who is showing inability to control his drinking can do the right about face and drink like a gentleman, our hat's off to him. Heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. So why do I keep trying if I keep failing? Because it was difficult for me to admit that I'm in that class. And what class is that? The men and women who've lost the ability to control their drinking. It's hard to accept that there's no turning back. Firstly, m- most people out there, including myself, had, had never heard about this concept of an, of an obsession. And even those who had heard about it, fewer still believed it. Even in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, there are plenty of people who don't believe or have never heard of this obsession. There are many fellows who believe that if they are strictly abstinent, then the obsession to eat compulsively will be removed. So along with everybody else, I felt there's, there's got to be some way to get back to normal. Because to have this obsession sounds like insanity. It's insane to think that I'm wrestled to the ground, beaten time after time by a cookie or a bag of chips. Uh, there's an expression in um, Overeaters Anonymous that once you become a pickle, you can't go back to being a cucumber. And I like that comparison because... If I would put a, a cucumber into brine, I could sit and watch that thing, and I wouldn't know when it became a pickle. It's just one of those things that happens, you know, that that's that's hard to point your finger at exactly when when the you know when the change takes place. But we lost you. We lost you, Esther. Can you press star one to unmute? Here, I'm back on a different phone. Yes. Yeah. More so that um, the the uh you you can never take a pickle make it a cucumber again that's why that comparison is used no matter what you do to that pickle wash it i don't know soak it in fresh water that's it it's done so that this is why it was hard for me to accept this is what it was hard for me to accept and this is why i kept trying over and over and over again until of course i was finally like we say on this phone beaten to a pulp and uh willing to admit i am really part of that group of people and with that i'll pass thank you thank you esther would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula. Hi, here, this is Hillary. Go ahead, Paula. Thank you. This is Paula. We covered compulsive reader. You know, I want to. I've been just listening and listening, and my goodness, there I found myself. But every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule. Well, that was it. There, my pride. They're all about self. Well, it's, yeah, for you, but not for me. And you see, I wasn't one of those big weight gainers. No, no, no. Again, control, so I thought. But I will tell you, I didn't gain 30 pounds in one night, but I will tell you what I woke up with, because this you can identify with. I did. Momentarily, we did. Then would come oblivion, an awful awakening, page 151 to face the hideous full husbands, terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. Now, unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand. I understood that. I understood that. And you know what goes on? Therefore, non-alcoholic. Well, that was it. This is not the group I wanted to be in. 
I will tell you, if you say, okay, pick a group, this wouldn't be the one I picked. But this is the disease that picked me. We came together here. And it says clearly, and I, if anyone who has shown inability to control his drinking can do the right about face and drink like a gentleman, well, that wasn't me, may I say, no exception here, our hats are off to him. Heaven knows. Heaven always knew. It was me that had to know. We have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people's. Now today, I am an exception. The exception I am is for the ones that are still out there. I am no longer there. I can happily, gladly, joyfully say, my name is Paula. I am recovered. Thanks for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Was there someone else who wanted to share? Did I miss someone? Hi, this is, Hil- this is Hillary I'd like to share. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, yeah, this paragraph to me is so very important, as are all the paragraphs in this book. But, <clears throat> you know, these first 100, when they wrote this book, it, it, they wrote it in a very precise order. And we're in the beginning here and um, of the order, and it's telling us, you know, who we are, what we've done. And as we get further into the book, um, it tells us what, who we can become. And that's our authentic self, accepting ourselves, uh, myself, you know, with this spiritual malady that, that starts in my mind. And I have this obsessive mind. And before recovery, I did not know anything more than to continue to try to prove myself an exception to the rule. Um, you know, I thought this diet would work, this exercise program would work, this restricting would work, whatever. But... You know, on page 24, it tells us that in italics, which means not only was it more expensive back then to use italics, but it's a point also that they really want to hit home for us, and that's that, you know, the fact is that for most compulsive eaters, for reason yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in compulsive eating. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We're unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force, the memory of the suffering and the humiliation of even a week or a month ago were without defense against that first compulsive bite. You know, it's it's so true, but I didn't know then what I didn't know then. And today, by the grace of God in these steps, I know who I really am. And I'm, I'm a person with a spiritual malady. Um, and I used to use food to solve all my problems. I needed to feel, you know, when I would feel that loneliness and that despair and whatever, I would go to food. If I had just, you know, I was absolutely unable to stop eating compulsively on the basis of self-knowledge. You know, I knew so much. I read self-help books. I, I, so many things, tried so many things. I could have told you every calorie and every food. And the beauty is, as we go on in this book, in the order in which they wrote it, we find out all of the promises and the miracles that happen to us as we transform or change into this true self that is such a gift. Um, and then how it further tells us how we use what we've gained, the miracles that we've <clears throat> excuse me, been given to help those who are still suffering, who are still trying the diets and the exercising and the restricting. And it, 
you know, it's such a gift today to be able to wake up in the morning and not have that food hangover, um, which, of course, then would block me all day long from the sunlight of the spirit because I'm angry, I'm remorseful, I'm regretful, I'm fed up, I'm sick and tired of me and sick and tired. Today I get to wake up and feel grateful. It's like, thank you, God, for these 12 steps, for the first 100, for the people who went before us and are now recovered and sharing this message of, of, of recovery, sharing this solution so that I can dial into meetings like this and just think, oh, they get it. They understand me. Science doesn't have to, you know, give me a solution today. I have it. And I don't think even if science could do that, would I understand um, the importance of the fact that I'm still going to have this obsessive mind. I'm still going to be selfish and self-centered. I'll still want what I want when I want it. It's these steps that showed me to take a look at me, you know, see where I'm being selfish or self-centered or fearful or resentful or, you know, those things that just keep me so sick. This this book shows me how to get well, you know, um, how to recover from a spiritual malady, how to recover from my selfishness and Along with it, again, I think it bears repeating that, wow, what a miracle. I know today how to be kind. I can smile at strangers. I can, you know, can pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for God for the right thought, decision, action. I don't have to just rely. Well, I can't rely on me today because I know that, again, you know, um, a sick person can't help a sick person. I can't give to me unless I'm giving to others. And then I get from them. In, in Meaning newcomers, other recovered people, I get so much back when I'm, I'm doing 12-step service work. So much. And it's just a joy to be alive today and to be a part of, of people who understand me, know where I was, you know, where I came from and how I got to where I am today. The peace and joy and the God reliance is such a gift. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close the meeting today, and we'll close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Katie, could you read that for us? Sure. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.